0: Exodus 20 or Deuteronomy chapter 5, both of those passages give us the, the Ten Commandments or the Decalogue, the Ten Words as also Scripture describes, that august document ancient but not an antiquated venerable awe inspiring divine majestic a revealer of conscience these words were told in the next chapter that uh, after what we read earlier Deuteronomy in Deuteronomy 6 These words shall be in our hearts. We are to memorize and and meditate upon them. We are to teach them to our children when we sit, when we walk, when we lie down and when we rise. And they are to be obeyed. Speaking of uh, a sign upon our foreheads and and displayed on our posts and gates. I think every Christian home should have the Decalogue on a wall or two or three. For the Christian, it is not menacing. It is medicine. It is, uh, yes, convicting, but it is to us a revelation of Christ's righteousness described briefly. But before we have, we take a microscopic view of the ten words, we've been looking at the Ten Commandments telescopically. We've been dialoguing about the Decalogue, looking at it objectively, um, making observations and applications and conclusions. For instance... The the audio-visual effects that we read about in Exodus chapter 19 were meant for us to have an awe-inspiring view of these words. God sent lightning and lightnings and thunderings and a loud trumpet that the, the volume increased. Smoking, a smoking mountain, fire, and even a, a tempest, a storm as revealed in Hebrews 12 as effects to, um, again, cause an awe-inspiring reaction. And Exodus 20, verse 20 says that God's fear may be before their faces that they sin not. There are two types of fear there. God says... Or Moses said, fear not. And then he says, but that God's fear might be before your faces. So there's two kinds of fear. A more immature fear of punishment, of chastening, and a more mature spiritual reverential awe, which God sought to inculcate by these visual, audiovisual effects. We're not hearing thunder this morning or seeing lightning or or a tempest or fire but nonetheless we should pray that the spirit of god will facilitate a reverential awe of god's word it's a sacred record we are to have a respectful approach to scripture there's nothing like the ten commandments Oh, people have tried to compare them to the Code of Hammurabi and other codes of ethics and morals. they borrowed from the Ten Commandments or they have, they have uh, invented their own. There's nothing like the Ten Commandments of God which show us the need of the Gospel now in a fallen world and after the fall of man. But even more beyond salvation This was given to a redeemed people, a saved people. It is a revelation of God's will. It is a revelation of His nature. The Bible tells us that God spoke with an audible voice. Again, would indicate this would be of vital importance. There were select times when God spoke with a voice to His people. Mostly He Spoke through mediators, spoke through prophets and priests and kings. But there were times that he spoke publicly to the people. And this was one of them. This is directly from God Himself. And, and uh, He is obviously telling us that what He is saying is of vital importance to us. The Bible tells us there were ten words. The word, Word, means a message God spake all these words they're called the 10 words in Exodus 34:28 and Deuteronomy 10:4 in other words there's information there's content and that's one way we can understand what the 10 commandments are there have been various enumerations and some have taken I was in a I took a, a group of students to a, a uh, Jewish synagogue up on Delaware, I think it was, years ago. and They had a plaque of the Ten Commandments on a wall and one, the first commandment was, I am the Lord thy God which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And it's interesting how the woman said, I don't understand why that's the first commandment because it's not a commandment. And then, of course, you know there are those that that... Do it double the tenth commandment, and they actually don't. And they they couple the second commandment with the first, and then there are other enumerations. The key that we look at is content. What's is there content, and is there command in these and, and the isolation? You know, coveting is not two commandments; it's one. The Lord is giving information. There's meaning to each commandment. There's content. There's teaching. There's a distinct doctrine given in each of the commandments. And where to keep that in mind? You ever heard of Lex Rex? Law is King? These are commandments, keep in mind. It speaks of God's authority. They're clearly imperatives. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not covet. They're clearly revealing the lordship of God, the sovereignty of God, that He's a Creator, I am the Lord thy God, and He's a Redeemer who's brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, there's not an equal to God. He's our superior. These are not suggestions, keep in mind. They're not optional. They are, um, they are mandatory. And how do we react? So often, our old natures, don't we? When God says yes, we say no. When God says no, we say yes. How often do I confess my rebellion to the Lord? And it's a test of our loyalty and our love. As He says, You've loved Me, keep My commandments. And to a thousand generations, those who love Me and keep My commandments. Do you not see the Ten Commandments as gracious? Five times it speaks of thy God. Not thy judge, though he is our judge, but I am the Lord thy God. There's grace there, God's goodness, to give us the, these words. It speaks of a personal relationship. Gracious, though a glorious meeting, to meet with God is, is a gracious thing. And how often do we read in the epistles, the grace be unto you. And that's what the Lord is saying as He visits them. Even though you have all these visual and audio effects that produce awe and, and godly fear, He comes to us as a gracious God. Trust Him and obey. Love is, is in these commandments. It's a, God says in Exodus 19.5, He says, when you keep My commandments, you're keeping My covenant. And you remember I mentioned that, say at a wedding, you have wedding vows or technically oaths. We say, I will take this one. I'll have this one and hold and cherish and be faithful forever. And this is a sense what the Lord is doing at Mount Sinai. There's a covenant being made. That I'll be your God. I'll be faithful to you. I will teach you. I will bless you. But as the superior, he's saying, you will have me. So here's what's being we're, at, we're as it were at the altar, and we're saying, I will have you alone as my God. I will take you to be my God. I will. Respect the way You want Me to approach You. I will make no graven images of You. You're invisible. You're the Spirit. I will worship You as You prescribe. I will not invent means of worship. I will use Your name properly in my thoughts and words and actions. I will respect Your day. You're God and You command Me Keep one day in seven for public worship and for witness, and I will resist the world that will make your day any other day, and so on. I will be respectful to all authority. I will treat my fellow man in as a flow from loving you. I will love those in authority over me by honoring them. I will love my neighbor by by not. Uh, Committing sin with his spouse, or uh, polluting the minds of his children with wicked jokes and so on. I, I'm sorry, I was seven. Uh, I will number six. I will promote the life of my neighbor. I will not take his life with a knife, or slice his heart with my tongue. I will be Truthful to my neighbor, I will not lie and cheat and deceive, but I will tell the truth even to my hurt. I will be generous to my neighbor. I will not. I, I reversed them again, but you, you you understand. I will be generous. I will not take from my neighbor, and I will be content with what God has given me, and I will be thankful for what He's given my neighbor, even if it's ten times more than I have. I will be thankful that my neighbor has a mansion if I have a hut. And God helped me to be so. It's a covenant that God is making with His people. It's complete. There are not nine. Nothing is missing. There are not eleven. We cannot add something that we think arrogantly is missing in what category i dare someone to try to invent a category that's missing it's perfect the law of the lord is perfect converting the soul it's thorough it's absolute it's final remember the ten plagues were thorough in their destruction of egypt every category is covered regarding the worship of God, the service of God, and the interaction that we have with our fellow man. As Psalm 119 says, is exceeding broad. James describes it like a chain. You break one link and, you, and you've broken it all. It's all together. It's unchanging. The second is exactly the same, though with the features of having 40 years been a nation. For instance, a stranger is, 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 is introduced regarding the Sabbath. They didn't yet have strangers, at least it hadn't worked out. And the Sabbath day is, is in, includes the idea of the Exodus and not just the creation. So there are some, um, what will we call that, we would call some uh, uh, tweaks of the Ten Commandments is regarding their situation, but not the content themself, itself. The Ten Commandments reveals relationship. We have a relationship with God and a relationship with our fellow man. There are really just two commands as Jesus and the Old Testament tells us. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. They are summaries of the summaries of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are summaries of all of God's law. All precepts and prohibitions come under the Ten Commandments. You can't find a precept that doesn't, it doesn't have application in the Ten Commandments or that, that it isn't applied by the Ten Commandments. You don't have a prohibition that isn't found. You say, well, how do I find... Something like uh, drunkenness. It doesn't say thou shalt not be drunk in the Ten Commandments, but it does say thou shalt not kill. You'll kill your mind. You'll kill your body with drunkenness. You might kill someone when you drive drunk. Every, everything we can mention is applied by one or more of the Ten Commandments you say, well, how do I know that the first four relate to our relationship with God and isn't the first five? Well, if you read the New Testament, number five is placed under the summary, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But nonetheless, there is a hinge there. But the first four specifically. And I cannot answer you as far as the, the uh, tablets themselves. Now we have tablets that we've made and I don't know if this was the way that they were shaped but as you can see the first four whoops, I better be over here the first four are on one tablet and the final six is on the other tablet. I don't know if that's how it worked out. It could be that all ten were on each tablet. But we do know that the tablets were written on both sides. So there is an error here. I don't have, I have, we have blank on the back. I don't know if it was square or rectangle or oval. I can't answer that question or some other shape. But it certainly meant in, to make an impression, didn't it, upon the people. And I don't know how large they were large enough that Moses could carry them down the mount and up the mount for he had to chisel uh, new tablets for the Lord to write on after Moses visually. What a, what a statement. When he threw the stones and they, cr- they crashed and broke in front of the people after they broke God's law. That was appropriate for Moses to break those tablets as an illustration of what the people had just done when they worshipped the golden calf. And actually, it wasn't a breach so much of the first commandment. It's not that they were just saying, here's another God. They were breaching the second commandment. They were making an image of God when they made that golden calf. So God is showing us a relationship. And again, just like the covenant, how do I relate to God? by being loyal to Him, by worshiping Him the way He wants, by being careful to use His name, His words, His works, His miracles, everything about Him properly. Remember, we closed first time considering the dialogue of the Decalogue with family life. It's interesting how in the middle of the Decalogue we have family life. The fourth commandment, in the heart of the Decalogue, we have parents responsibility for the religious instruction of children and we have in the fifth commandment children 's responsibility to parents and leaders right in the middle of the dialogue of the decalogue and uh, that 's significant God established the family he established marriage at creation and the family and the church so you 've got Parents, responsible leaders, preachers, statesmen, teachers, every realm responsible to facilitate one day in seven. Our president, our Congress, our judges, our our leaders are responsible to facilitate this nation's keeping of the Sabbath, and they have obliterated it. You know, they used to have conferences annual, semi-annual conferences where every realm would send representatives to promote the Lord's Day. I had about ten books that were very old before the fire in 2019. And it was interesting how they had doctors saying our bodies are on a seven-day cycle, we need to rest. They had businessmen saying that they need to shut their businesses, even shut their machines, that machines will be prolonged if you shut them down one in seven. They had every realm, lawyers. They had um, sports people saying how it's right to honor the Lord. Interesting how they were following this fourth command. Parents, we're responsible to teach our children the sacredness of this day and to be careful to use this day properly to bring our, those we're responsible for to public worship, to read the Bible, to seek the Lord. Of course, our, it's our responsibility every day, but especially the Lord's Day. Teachers, we were in Sunday school a couple weeks ago and Tim Farr said it's not popular but he says I encourage our students not to study their their in their studies on Sunday but to give that day to the Lord college professors and so on and high school and grammar school and home school should keep this day separate from math studies and from their their uh, school studies and study the word of God and study to visit people and to honor the Lord, and so on. And number five, family life, children's responsibility to honor, to appreciate the religious instruction of parents and people to appreciate the religious instruction, an example of their church leaders and their national leaders and respect their employers in business. An employer should respect uh, should be closed non-necessary uh, businesses should be closed businesses should not offer double pay GM offers I hope you don't mind me mentioning they offer double pay for Sundays to, ins- to encourage people to profane the Sabbath day now obviously we know hospitals and Electrical companies need to keep their businesses open. They are in 24-hour rescue services and fire departments. There are many farmers, much business that needs to maintain on the Lord's Day. But we do all we can to facilitate. Oh, that in the hospital they would have an arrangement where doctors will say, we'll cover you. That each of us needs to, if possible, have at least... Uh, one Sunday a month or two Sundays a month that you're able to go to your public worship will cover you in the hospital. Same with nurses and other necessary workers. Oh, that there was that kind of arrangement. Churches have that arrangement. There are men that are protecting churches now in this society with their concealed weapons in churches, and they, some of them, have to be outside. The main rooms of the worship services, and going in the parking lot and checking to make sure that that people aren't damaging vehicles and and uh, sneaking up to come into to, to uh, invade the churches. And there are ushers, there are Sunday s- or uh, nursery workers that are serving the Lord, and there's a rotation so that they can be uh, in public worship. The Ten Commandments are brief. The longest. Surprisingly to us, is the fourth commandment. Why is it such length? But they're mostly brief because they're summaries of categories, they have content. But again, the Lord is teaching us, uh, he's, it's kind of a ready reference. You know, if you remember your studies, some of us, it's a long time ago, um, we had not cheat sheets, but what we called it that. Um, if I had a history of civilization exam, I, I had a two-page or a one-page um, piece of paper that was folded, and I almost needed a, a uh, magnifying glass. But I, you know, it was all dates and names, and you know, it was a way to. It was something I especially studied an hour before the test. But it was the pertinent points condensed to a piece of paper. Well, isn't the Lord kind? The Ten Commandments are such that they're easily memorized in the abbreviated form and in the summary form. Now, although I switched a couple earlier, can we remember the Ten Commandments even in the abbreviated form of the abbreviated form? Thou shalt have no other gods before Me. Number two, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Number three, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Number five, thy father and thy mother. Number six, thou shalt not kill. Number seven, commit adultery. Thou shalt. Number eight, thou shalt not steal. Number nine, thou shalt not lie or bear false witness. Number ten, thou shalt not covet. Now, I know they're abbreviated, uh, but even memorizing the Ten Commandments, it's only on two columns in our Bible, is simple enough for a little child. But you know, when people say that, I think, you know, I'm, I'm past the age where a little child is, is better than I am at memorizing and, and uh, their minds are just amazing and their ability to, for impressions. But a little child is able to memorize the Ten Commandments and should from the very get-go, before they even walk, should they not be pondering, meditating, and even quoting the Ten Commandments in its abbreviated form. How oh, God is so good, isn't He, to give us that one sheet uh, summary of His Word? Remember, it was the finger of God. God personally wrote the Ten Commandments. It speaks of authenticity, doesn't it? It's the word of God, literally, and so is all the rest of it. But God, in His wisdom and power, uh, def- de- delegated that responsibility to many uh, over what over over forty authors in His Word. The tablets were the work of God, Exodus thirty two sixteen, and the writing was the writing of God engraved upon the tables. As Paul would actually uh, give his signature, his John Hancock, to prevent forgery as people were saying that Paul wrote this or that. God with His own, with his own finger. How often we hear, well, this is, the, this is the writing of man. Man wrote the Bible. Well, yes, it shows God's love, His power to, to use man and to have an, an inspired, inerrant, authoritative word but you're you're mostly right but God wrote the Ten Commandments with His own finger as Jesus wrote whatever He wrote on the sand on the dirt there in John 8 this was written next in stone in stone what does that say ten times and more it talks about these words on stone Obviously, permanence, unlike the civil and ceremonial laws. In other words, no tampering allowed. Both sides were were written. It would never be repealed or revoked or abolished or retired. They were hewn at first by God Himself, we're told, in chapter 24. And then He allowed Moses to hew. The Ten Commandments is found in chapter 34 after he broke those. Dare anyone chisel out any commandment? And yet people practically chisel out the fourth commandment today and say that it doesn't apply. You meet God one day face to face and tell Him that the fourth commandment was no longer for today? You know, the Bible in the New Testament has many references to the Ten Commandments you look in Matthew 6 they shall not he came not to destroy to abolish Matthew 19 Romans 13 1 Corinthians 7 1 Timothy 1 James 3 or James yes James 3 1 John 2 3 Revelation 14.12. 12 and you know the last beatitude in the Bible blessed are they that keep his commandments so they don't reply for today the last beatitude Revelation 22.14. They're written in stone. May we respect. They're repeated 40 years later, which obviously tells you not only the permanence, but the fact that they're universal. They're repeated. In other words, they're relevant in Eden, in Babylon, in Israel, in Rome, in the USA, in Russia, in Ukraine, in the world. He shall judge the world in righteousness. The books will be opened. God's Word is universal in nature. Do you know that the the commandments tell us the will of God? They're the path of of obedience for the Christian. They're a guide to please God. Listen to the prophecy of the Messiah, Psalm 40. I delight to do thy will, O God. Well, What's God's will? We would ask the Messiah. I delight to do Thy will, O God. What is the next response? Thy law is within my heart. God's law, yes, God's law can refer to all the Bible, but God's law is summarized in the Ten Commandments. And Jesus often referred to them. It's God's code for our obedience. It's exceedingly broad. The Ten Commandments are a source of conviction for us. They're a schoolmaster that drives us to Christ. We read in the Bible that the law, by the law is the knowledge of sin. And sin is the transgression of the law. Paul said, I had not known sin but by the law, Romans 7. It's not a covenant of works anymore. It's not do this and live like it was with Adam. We need forgiveness. We need salvation. But it is a covenant of love. It's a covenant of obedience. But it still is a a source of conviction for us. Every sin is dealt with. and Like I said, every prohibition and every precept is dealt with in the Ten Commandments. Sin is either a transgression of God's law or an omission of God's Word. Every single sin is dealt with in the Ten Commandments. Whatever you name, whether you name drunkenness, whether you name homosexuality, whether you name prayerlessness, whether it's a precept or a prohibition, a precept that is transgressed, a pro- prohibition that is that is adopted, it's found in this Decalogue. Isn't it amazing the, the depth of this Of this summary. Not a covenant of works able to be kept, but it is still a warning to the self righteous. What did Jesus say to the man who said, What must I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? What what, what must I do? What did he say? Keep the commandments. But what did Paul say to the man who said, What must I do to be saved? Did he say, Keep the commandments? That man was not like the rich young ruler, uh, thinking that he was righteous. He was—he knew he was a sinner. And so, what did Paul say to him? Keep the commandments? No, he said, "Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, who kept the commandments in our place, and thou shalt be saved." So, it is a conviction to the self-righteous. Go ahead. You want to. You think that your obedience will gain you eternal life? Keep the commandments. Thought, word, and you can't miss once. One sin condemns the sinner. But for the believer, it's helpful. We should be praying even beneath the plaque of the Ten Commandments. Lord, my heart secretly has other gods idols. Lord, I have not I have not honored your name as I should. I have allowed people to take it in vain. Aren't I responsible to say something? To do something? Lord, forgive me for my sins. The Ten Commandments are a revelation of God's nature. That He is the only God. The first commandment God is the only God. The second commandment, He is Spirit. The third commandment, He is Holy. The fourth commandment, He is the Creator and the Savior. He is the One who has set aside a day for His Son. The fifth commandment, He's honorable. Six, He is life-giving. Seven, He is faithful. Eight, He is generous. Nine, He is truthful. Ten, He is just and one who satisfies the needs of His people. They're all revelations of God. How thorough. And may I say last but not least, do you know they were a template for Christ to know what He needed to do to to obey God and to please God? The Ten Commandments really show us Christ's righteousness the measure of His righteousness. The Lord Jesus did not break any of the Ten Commandments. He kept them perfectly in thought, word, and action. All the precepts He kept. All the prohibitions He avoided. That, The Ten Commandments were the terms of His probation. The Bible tells us in Galatians 4.4 He was made under the law. He had no breaks. God was watching Him. He was under probation. And Jesus fulfilled the terms of his probation. I have done that which pleases God. I do always the things that please God. I came to fulfill the law. Christ is the goal of the law. He is our wisdom versus the deceit of sin, our righteousness versus the guilt of sin, our sanctification versus the pollution of sin. And our redemption versus the power of sin. Sin can deceive us. Sin brings guilt when we, when we commit it. Sin pollutes its vile. Sin addicts us to it. But Christ releases us from the deceitfulness of sin. Or we can face sin and resist it. And understand what it's trying to do in tempting us. We can not feel guilty anymore pleading the blood of Christ how the devil wants us to feel false guilt. But isn't it wonderful that we knew a place, we know a place where our guilt can be removed? It's a good question to ask people. What do you do with your guilt? Everybody has a guilt in the soul, like a cloud hanging over the head. But Christ is our righteousness. He deals with our guilt. We can have a clean conscience and clean hearts. What about the pollution of sin? How it's vile. There are indeed heinous sins that are vile to the soul and vile to the mind, but Jesus is our sanctification. He delivers us from the pollution of sin. And oh, how sin has a hold on us. Don't we all have easily besetting sins? and Sins that are committed with a high hand. It seems they dog us. But we plead Christ is our redemption, delivering us from the power of sin. Christ provides the righteousness, that Proverbs says, delivers us from death from death. It's Christ's righteousness that delivers us from death. And we can say now, oh, how I love thy law. It reveals the righteousness of Christ to me. It reveals Christ to me. He is the incarnate Word that obeyed the inspired Word. Jesus, thy blood and righteousness, thy beauty are my glorious dress. His robes for mine. Jesus, was under the law. The Ten Commandments, now in the 21st century. A brother McClellan wrote a book called The Ten Commandments in the 20th century, but they continue in the 21st. Isaiah 42.10, the prayer is, Magnify your law and make it honorable. Romans 3, Shall we make void the law through faith? No, we establish the law. Romans 7, wherefore the law is holy and the commandment is holy and just and good. Blessed are they that do His commandments. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord that delighteth greatly in His commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. Last but not least, Jesus says, and I leave this with us, if you love Me, you will keep My commandments. Lord Jesus, we love you. Help us to keep Your commandments. Amen.